Welcome to North Beats from North Beach. I'm your host, Corey Luna. Today I present to you Peaked at Show Number 3, featuring Dylan 909 and Yate. Each do a fantastic set in their own unique way. Please enjoy the show. Good evening. Welcome to Peaked, a meetup for electronic music makers. I'm your MC tonight, Corey Luna. On AV is Rich Hogben. We are at Supply Frame, ho our host here in San Francisco. Tonight we feature musicians Dylan 909 and Yachty. We'll start the evening with a set by Dylan 909, followed by a Q&A. We'll have a 15-minute intermission, and then we'll go into Yachty is set and for 15 to 20 minutes, and then we'll have a Q&A and finish off the night. So I'd like to please bring to the stage Dylan 909.
Gilla909, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> Dylan, thanks for playing tonight. Thank you. Tell us a little about your set tonight. Um, a techno set using Digitact, Electribe, and Modular. And on the technical side? Yeah, of course. Give it to us. Yeah. Uh, Electribe controlling all the modular. There's four voices coming off the modular, which is uh, Pletz and MFB, Nanosverg, and uh, uh, Pico voice and a BIA and then the Digitac has a lot of like samples like a lot of drums and there's also some loops going on in there too and drums coming off the Electribe. Very cool. Yeah. Are there any questions from the audience Anyone has any questions about his set tonight or the equipment he's using? Uh -huh. Josh? Ah, uh, the Electribe. It's like the bane of my life, that stupid <laughs> thing. But it was the first, like, I did Ableton for a long time, and I wanted to get out of it, so I saw a bunch of my friends using Electribes, and I thought, it sounds pretty good. I think I want to try that out. And so that was the first, kind of the beginning of my hardware, my recent hardware journey. And um, I've added all this stuff since, and it still stays in there because it's such a good utility kind of piece of gear, but... I'll sell it. I don't have any problems with that either. <laughs> but I can't get rid of it. It just does too much stuff. So yeah, it's like every day I wake up thinking, how can I sell this thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like you're using the right eight buttons for mutes. What are the left eight buttons for? Uh, on which one? Uh, the Electribe. The Electribe's got, the bottom is mainly drums. Like all eight on the bottom are drums. And then the top is controlling the modular. It's pretty much what's going on. Yeah. Yes, Scott. Do you have to tune the modular, or do you just kind of wing it and hope for the best? Tuning it as in to make it sure it's in key? And by some people's interpretations, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do tune it, for sure. Like with a, like a guitar tuner? Or? I've been tuning it sometimes, but lately what I do is I have like one, like a, just a saw wave on the Electribe, and before I set up, I kind of tune to that saw wave to make sure that they're all in key. Once again, the Electribe. <laughs> Stupid thing. <laughs> so Dylan, when I asked you to play tonight, how did you prepare for it? Um, well, I have a lot of go-to sets that I use that I kind of rotate around, and they're all kind of, I have like six sets that I kind of have active right now. And so I kind of alternate between them depending on what feels like a good set for that event. And I just chose a piece of that set. It's like, like kind of like a third to a half of a set that played. Yeah. Very cool. Do we have any more questions from the audience today? Roy. The, one very the top right? Yeah. yeah, that's the BIA. That's by Noise Engineering. That's a really awesome module. And I, I use it for a lot. I mean, I, I sample it to make percussion. So like what I do is it can do so much more than be a kick. And some people use it like in these incredible ways where it can sound like a whole drum kit. But the way I use it is like in a pretty bonehead way, which is as a kick. So for a techno, it'll be like a more 909 kind of kick. But it can also get really distorted and become like a gabber kick. 
or it can become like a baseline. You can use it for drum and bass. Um, it's an awesome module. It's like, yeah, who doesn't love that module? <laughs> Roy, you had a question too. You mentioned uh, you mentioned genres a couple times. Do you feel like an obligation to adhere to a genre within a set, or does uh, one influence the other? Uh, I do feel it, not really adhering to a genre, but. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes I do want to do a genre. Like in this set, I wanted to make like a techno set that was like a danceable 135 BPM, you know, techno set. But sometimes I do like to make a hybrid, um, but it'll still stay within that set kind of like um, consistent within that hybrid, I guess, if that makes sense. So yeah, depending on where I'm playing, I like to think of a set stylistically and try to go with that. Yeah. Oh, Evan. So like, Yeah, I don't, I don't have a way to do side chaining in this kind of hardware setup that I'm doing, and I do miss that sometimes. That's something that's a lot easier if you have a dedicated kick, because I'm having kicks coming from all different sources. I'm having kicks coming from the Digitac, kicks coming from the modular, and kicks coming from the Electribe, so there's no consistent kick to side chain to, and that I can't, so yeah, right now I can't do a good side chain, so I just turn it up, I guess. <laughs> I just make it loud, and I try to do my arrangements where there's things that aren't conflicting with the kick, you know, try to do like basses off the kick, stuff like that, try to not put too much on those kicks, but there's really not a good way to do it. It's kind of like, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do, kind of thing. Oh, well thanks. I don't always think it works. Sometimes I'm frustrated and I really want the kick to come through without having it to be so loud, you know, and try to make more space around it. And it's something I would like to eventually do. Yeah, for sure. You have any more other questions tonight? Carson? What's the compositional technique that you're trying to get more into? Compositional technique? It's kind of a broad question. Um, well, I try to go with the traditional kind, well, especially in a set like this, I try to go with the traditional kind of counts that you get in techno, you know, like groupings of eight bars and you know drops before the, those bars kind of switch over and I try to maintain that kind of dance floor kind of quality um, but and so I, I can be a stickler to that sometimes but not all the time um, so yeah I guess and I when I because I'm doing a, a technique where I'm layering on both the Electribe and the Digitac and there's a lot of like areas where they both cross over on each other Sometimes there is like, you'll hear this kind of out of tune stuff as like one track transitions to the other and they're on top of each other. And I just say, well, that's just kind of like, like a, a, a soft kind of dissonance and it's okay, you know, but maybe it's not okay, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Uh, do we have any other questions we, for, for Dylan tonight? No? Well, Dylan, thank you very much for your set tonight. I yeah, really thanks. appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Dylan 909, everybody. Welcome back, everybody, to Peaked. And now I'd like to bring to the stage Yate.
Yatay, everybody. Thank you. Josh, thanks so much for playing tonight. Thank you. This was super rad to be able to come out and play tonight. So thank you for the invite. You're welcome. Tell us a little bit about how you prepared your set for tonight. Hmm. Um, I did an Instagram story asking people if I should bring a plant tonight. And pretty much everyone said I should bring a plant. So um, other than that, I like the idea that, uh, or I should say, like my music really isn't uh, classically, like I'm classically trained or anything. It's just the idea, like, what do I want to convey? So I had a really good day at work. I've had a really interesting week. And so I just wanted to convey music that like showed that, I don't know, confusion in the mix, so. I get a lot of uh, video game influences from your set. Is that, is that a, a correct feeling? Um, I think what's funny is like it's turned out that way where previously I don't think I really stepped into that. But a lot of my music is based on nostalgia. It's based on things that I've felt in the past or um, past experiences. And so the sounds that I generate are kind of childlike in that way. But um, I think because of some of the tools that I use, like the OPZ and the OP1, you get a lot of these like kind of chip tune-esque or very uh, restricted sounds based on what you've loaded them with. And so the OPZ especially, um, it just kind of caters itself to this very um, NES, Super NES, these like video game feelings and everything. And I think even with that last song, um, it's very much like that Transylvania meets, you know, Dungeons of Legend of Zelda. So, you know, and those are two of my favorite games, so. <laughs> yeah, I get the feeling very much. But it's great because it, I can hear it, but it's beyond you know eight bit or sixteen bit. It's beyond you know it's go, it goes all the way to twenty four bit. Yeah. Um, I think what's great about the OPZ is that it has this uh, sequencer built in. But for me, since I don't play like a piano, that's exactly how I have to make my music. Like I need the kind of those restrictions. Um, and so once I have like that basic melody down, then the job becomes like, okay, how do I destroy this? You know, like how do I add enough into this to where it no longer sounds like it was controlled with the sequencer, you know? Like you still have, you know, that syncopation, but um, there's elements that are, you know, don't follow anyone else's rhythm and everything, so. And tell us a little bit about the plant. Tell us, <laughs> yeah, how's so, that reacting in, in, um, into your set? Yeah, I love, Hey, I love that plant. It's been with me for a while. But um, the MIDI Sprout has been probably one of my favorite things that I have in my arsenal. Like next to my OP1 is MIDI Sprout. Um, and then the idea is just like for me, like I'm a very spiritual person and you know, I go to church and like, I just believe that this planet is more than just an accident and you know, like science and faith and all of these things collide, you know? And so for me, that's faith, like that's proof of it. Like watching science do its thing. Like this plant is growing in this container. As you saw, we added water to it and just like, it's so rad, you know? And so I don't want my experience ever to just be limited to what I can do. Um, and to me, adding a plant, adding that element of mystery, that element of like, well, what's gonna happen? You know, like there's many times during that set where I was like, you are not saying anything right now and you're embarrassing me in front of my friends and the internet, you know? Um, so you gave it a little pinch, you know? And the next thing you know, it's like chiming in all the time. Um, and so even from that point, you know, then by adding water, 
and just hearing it come to life, you know, that excites me. And I would, you know, sacrifice music and, you know, any kind of like melodic value to be able to share that experience with everyone. Do you see the plant as, as, a, as a musician itself instead of a, instead of a tool? Fully. Um, I was actually joking, I think, with you and Dylan earlier, like, if my set went to trash, I was just going to blame the plant, you know. The plant's name is Alice. Alice would have been the problem. But, um, yeah, I think in the same way you go to band practice, you, you know, when you plug this plant in, you're, you know, saying, okay, bring me something. You know, give me what your pulse is for the day, and I'm going to work with that. You know, I'm going to try to harmonize with that experience. So, yeah. It's fascinating. It really is. It's, it's wild. It's, I still very much so like getting used to this idea that it's like, okay, I'm just going to let you feed and know, you know, like you probably saw it, like I'll let it feed things into the OPZ or the OP1, whatever I'm using. And then I go back and edit it as I go. But it's really just like, I, for the most part, I'm not adding anything to it. Note wise, it's just like, no, this is your show. I'm just, you know, I'm the supporting act. So that's a great approach. I really enjoy, I really like that, that style. Thank you. And I'd like to open up the, the audience to some questions. Yes. The question was, what's the effect of watering the plant? Yeah, so um, I was talking to someone, I actually met someone on BART because I had a plant with cables coming off of it. So as you would expect, I would make a friend or two. Um, and she asked that very question, like, you know, what effect does watering it or, you know, changing the um, environment around it does? And we can take that to our body, you know, like when you have that first sip of water after you haven't drank water in a long time, you feel that like from the head to the toe. Um, I haven't watered this plant as regularly as I should, don't tell anyone, but um, you know, I think what happens in that case is you know, the roots themselves then receive that water in and so you're getting like that signal sent from the root of the plant up into the stems and everything and so it just like excites the plant. And so that's why we heard like, you know, the notes went from that very like do 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 to like chords almost, you know, because the plant was just like, oh, finally, you like, don't do this to me again. You know, like, I like to think of the plant as saying that, where it's just like, you know, water me more often, like, what are you thinking, you know? Um, this is probably why I'm single, but, you know, like, I talk to my plants way too much. But yeah, that's the idea, where it's like, by watering it, you know, by, if I had, like, brought a spotlight, moving a light onto a plant and taking it off, if the plant was outside, you know, um, the stimuli of noise, all of these different things, just like they affect our body, affects plants as well. Has, is the, is Alice react differently to different styles of music you've exposed her to? Yes, um, I would say that if it, the plant, Alice, if she comes into contact, she, they, I don't know yet. Um, if it comes into contact with like external music, like let's say I'm just playing something syncopated off the radio or whatever, um, the notes are more pronounced, you know, like it almost, and don't quote me on this because there's no science to back this, this is totally hearsay and I will refute this except for the fact that it's on the internet. Like it kind of like almost picks up parts of it, but it's not in any way, shape or form like trying to sing along, but it kind of is, you know, versus if I just like have my speakers up in my room playing loudly, then it just like seems to keep doing the same thing over, but. I don't know, that's also just what my experience has been. 
Excellent. Do we have any other questions from the audience about Yate or Alice? <laughs> yes, Marcus. What inspired you to go down that path? The question was, what inspired you to go down this particular path? Sure. Um, for me, I hear music all the time, and I try to recreate it um, with success or without. And so because for me, like, music is a discovery process. It's like, you know, what am I hearing today? What am I experiencing today? Um, I look for tools that allow me to kind of uh, share that experience. And so with MIDI Sprout especially, it became this thing where it's like, okay, you know, walking from the BART to here to me is like a sensory experience. Like if my body was plugged into something, I imagine the notes would have been all over the place. Um, and so I just get a kick out of that idea that like, you know, what we do matters and what happens to the planet matters. And um, I just hope like, you know, not to go too far down that path, but like, I really hope that that helps people realize like, you know, be conscious of what you intake, be conscious of what environment you put your body into, you know? Um, if it's mattering to a plant, I'm pretty certain it also matters to us. That's very nice. <laughs> uh, do you have any other questions? Yes. Uh, what compositional techniques are you trying to get from And the question was, what compositional techniques are you using? Yeah. Or, or like trying to get, like trying to learn more about. Or trying to learn more about. None. Um, <laughs> I will say that. Um, Every piece of music, every body of work I've done has been different than the last. Um, I just recently put a song out called Elated, and I made it two or three years ago, and I was using at the time an OP1 and an Ableton push, you know? So it was very controlled, it was very, you know, rhythmic and like lined up to every bar and all of that, you know? Um, however, the first things I put out onto Spotify were all made in modular. In fact, I met most of you guys here when I was still making modular. And during that time, there was no, you know, it was all, you know, no holds bar. Um, it was very much so just like, cool, press record. Whoa, okay, let's go down this path, you know? So I think my composition style is just like, I'm walking down a path with a flashlight, and if something is shiny, I follow it. It sounds so ridiculous, but I, pro I, I, I tell you, like, this is, it's, this is it. Like, you know, I mean, like, I, I try to be very honest about the process. Like, I've started with, you know, all of these tools to make very classical, like, techno or, you know, um, hip-hop or whatever it was, and I realized that's not my passion. Like, my passion is just to make music. And so it's, you know, I th when I say that word discovery, that's what it is. It is, you know, it is a flashlight. It is a shiny item, and saying I want to more of this. So that's exactly what we find in every video game. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other more questions tonight? No. Yes. So I'll read the question a little bit as you've slimmed down your set to when we originally saw you playing modular and what's the process to slimming it down to very minimal? 
Um, great question, and I'm glad it came up. So uh, I preach very heavily, like, buy what you need, buy what, you know, you need to make your music, buy what you hear in your head. And so when I very first got back into the act of making music, I had a million boxes. I had Volcas, I had, you know, the things from Roland, I had, like, a Moog, you know, like, I just kept buying and reforming, and it's just... Now, my idea is just like, I don't ever want to get into a space where I'm collecting. You know, like I just simply want to make music. And in order for me to do that, I have to restrict uh, the tools I have. So that turned from, you know, like I had it all. You know, I was in a band, I had a Moog, you know, the Sub 37. I was like, oh yeah, and then I was like, this doesn't bring me joy, not to go down that path or anything, but like, you know, and then I just whittled down to the OP1, which is where I started. You know, shout out to OP1 and Chill, my crew. Um, I came back down to that because I made the funnest music. I made the things that I love, the things that made me happy with that one device. Um, I had a great friend, Simon, who let me use his Norns. And from that point, I was like, oh my gosh, like this device is so ridiculous in that it can do everything, but it also, you know, like it, there's no, there's nothing written on it. So you're free to just kind of explore with it. And I was like, okay, this is an appropriate tool for me to use. Um, and the same thing with the OPZ. You know, it's a little bit more controlled, but still, it, it's right there. It's tangible. It goes, you know, the portability aspect is that I like to, you know, I like, I think we all have that idea of like, oh, I want to play out in the park somewhere, or, you know, any of that. I just want to play where I want to play, you know? And if the mood comes up and I'm on vacation, great. I've got battery-powered devices that can do that. That part is almost secondary to this idea, though, of just like hearing it and then controlling the space in which you can create it, your sandbox, if you will. Very nice. Okay, do we have any other questions tonight? Yes, Dylan. Yeah, talk a little bit more about the norms and what it's doing and how you said Oh, man. <laughs> so the question was tell us a little bit more about the norms. Yeah, so Norns is a fantastic, uh, wonderful little box from Mono. And um, Simon once described it just as like a sound computer. And I think if you think of like the organelle and how you can like add your own patches to it, and then you know you can control, like create your music through that, I think Norns tries to, do, tries to uh, create that kind of space, but with the idea that, you know, it's less, um, there's less, there's less form around it. I use about 1% of what it can do, and that's an MLR. And what MLR does is, you know, you send sound into it, and it allows you to take whatever that little recording chunk it made, that sample it created, and pitch it up, pitch it down, reverse it, and so on, and then even slice that piece up. Um, to me, that just is so pleasing, just in how it, you know, creates those little noises that I just am like, I'm sold. So. It's like clouds, yes. <laughs> I love clouds. No, I don't. It's okay. I do. Use what you have. <laughs> do we have any other questions tonight? No, I think we're going to wrap it up tonight. Josh, thank you so much for your performance tonight. Thank you again for letting me play. It was thank a treat. Absolutely treat.